0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. Today marks the first year of President Biden's time in the Oval Office. What do lawmakers have to say about it? And what's Biden's vision for his next year in office? The FBI raids the Texas home and office of Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar. Agents are seen removing bags, plastic bins, and a computer from the home. The FBI says the activity is part of an ongoing investigation. Are we close to coming to the end of the pandemic? People are asking health experts and the term endemic is floating around. The WHO gives its position. Some say our work life could move into the virtual reality of the metaverse. We spoke with a big tech whistleblower about the possible dangers you might face if that happens. An armed individual at the San Francisco International Airport was shot and killed by police. That's after attempts by the police to de-escalate the situation. Today marks President Biden's first year in the Oval Office. Democrats praise his pandemic response, job creation and infrastructure investments. While Republicans say Biden's done a poor job uniting the parties. What's Biden's plan for this next year, and how will he and his party work to quash key concerns for Americans, like inflation? NTD's Melina Wisecup reports.
1: Democrats are zeroing in on four areas in specific that they see as successes during the Biden administration. That is, passing the American Rescue Plan to help our country get through the pandemic, and Biden's overall COVID response, providing free masks and tests to American people and the recovery in the jobs market. And today, President Biden is zeroing in yet again on his infrastructure law. Him and the vice president today met with top leaders in their administration to discuss the progress made on this front.
2: Our
3: nation has never fully made this kind of investment. And so the detail matters, execution matters, and I'm looking forward to an update on where we are now and where we're going
4: from here.
1: Speaker Nancy Pelosi today kicking off her press conference with a speech on the jobs recovery over the past year. As we all know, much more needs to be done,
5: but we have made great progress in this year. Just to say one of the most important four-letter words in our economy is jobs.
1: But Republicans had critical remarks, one of them being that Biden has not lived up to his commitment to bipartisanship. They also zeroed in on inflation.
6: Biden needs to pivot. He's got to get away from um, representing the radical left. He's got to think of how do I help the average American? What's the average American want? They don't want their gas prices up, they want food prices down. So,
1: how to deal with this inflation? The Democrat caucus chairman told us earlier this week that in Congress, they're working to address issues of market power, specifically in the food industry.
7: Uh, The food industry and meat processors and the dynamics that exist there, because we do believe there's a lot of pandemic price gouging that has taken place.
1: And President Biden's idea for lowering costs, continuing to work out supply chain constraints and his Build Back Better spending bill.
3: So here's what we're going to do critical job in making sure that the elevated prices don't become entrenched rests with the Federal Reserve. If price increases are what you're worried about, the best answer is my Build Back Better plan.
1: And in just a little over a month, President Biden will have his next big public appearance with his State of the Union address. We expect him then to lay out his next key priorities for the year ahead. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News.
0: President Biden clarifies his position on a potential Russian invasion of Ukraine. He's drawing criticism for suggesting yesterday that a minor incursion by Russia would elicit a lesser response from the U.S. Here's the latest.
2: President Biden on Thursday reacted to criticism of his comments at Wednesday's press conference. He reiterated that Russia will pay a heavy price if it decides to invade Ukraine.
3: If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. But it will be met with severe and coordinated economic response that I've discussed in detail with our allies, as well as laid out very clearly for President Putin.
2: Biden noted that Russia may also use covert military action, such as paramilitary tactics, and so-called gray zone attacks. He says the U.S. has to be ready to respond to these as well. This is the comment from Wednesday that has drawn criticism.
3: Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion, and then we end up having to fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia.
2: Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky tweeted Thursday, We want to remind the great powers that there are no minor incursions in small nations, just as there are no minor casualties and little grief from the loss of loved ones. One Ukrainian official told CNN that he's shocked by Biden's remarks, and the country's foreign minister also weighed in. One can't
8: be half-invaded or half-aggressive. Aggression is either there or not, and we can say as a concrete fact that the aggression of the Russian Federation against the state of Ukraine has been going on since 2014.
2: Republicans are also criticizing Biden's remarks.
8: Yesterday, on live television, President Biden telegraphed passivity, telegraphed passivity and weakness exactly when our allies can least afford
2: it. But not everyone agrees. The Secretary General of NATO defended Biden, saying his remarks are not a green light for Russia to invade Ukraine. He says the U.S. has conveyed a very clear message since the military build-up started.
0: The Texas home of Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar was searched by the FBI last night. Agents were seen removing items, including at least one computer. The Bureau says the activity was part of an ongoing investigation. We have the details and Cuellar's response.
7: FBI agents Wednesday night were seen searching the Laredo home of Democratic Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar. Investigative reporter Valerie Gonzalez was on scene. She captured these images of the search, along with this video showing agents loading large bags, plastic bins, and a computer into a federal vehicle. Gonzalez said other agents appeared to be logging the items. FBI agents were also seen at Cuellar's campaign office Wednesday afternoon. In a statement to news outlets, the FBI said the Bureau was present in Laredo conducting court-authorized law enforcement activity, adding that the FBI cannot provide further comment on an ongoing investigation. A spokesperson for Cuellar told media outlets that the congressman will fully cooperate in any investigation, adding that Cuellar is committed to ensuring that justice and the law are upheld. Cuellar has represented Texas's 28th congressional district since 2005. His district includes land along the U.S.-Mexico border. Over the last year, Cuellar has been a frequent critic of the Biden administration's immigration enforcement policies. He's called the surge at the border a crisis and expressed concern over the impact on local communities as well as sounded the alarm on human smuggling. Border Patrol agents apprehended nearly 2 million illegal immigrants during the 2021 calendar year, a record high. Two Democrats are challenging Quayar in the Democratic primary for his seat. The challengers have criticized Quayar's willingness to work with Republicans on legislation and say the district should be represented by a more progressive Democrat. We'll keep you updated on the FBI's investigation as details emerge.
0: We're 2 years into the COVID-19 pandemic, and people are asking health experts, when does it end? Some are also wondering if the pandemic will downgrade to an endemic this year. The WHO says the end isn't even close. NTD's Miguel Moreno reports.
6: Reporters are asking Dr. Anthony Fauci and other health experts if the COVID-19 pandemic will come to a close this year. Not whether the virus will be obliterated, but whether it'll become an endemic disease such as the flu or the chickenpox. The World Health Organization, known as the WHO, may consider COVID-19 a pandemic for a long time.
5: This pandemic is nowhere near over, and with the incredible growth of Omicron globally, new variants are likely to emerge.
6: But other health experts say the Omicron variant could be what thrusts us into the endemic phase. That's when a disease becomes a constant and predictable part of a population. Dr. Fauci addressed the potential endemic stage with Yahoo Finance on Tuesday. He said if enough people get vaccinated and obtain natural immunity, a highly infectious but relatively mild variant such as Omicron could help us get there.
9: Then you could get down to a lower level that is low enough that it doesn't disrupt society nor create a greater risk that someone will get seriously ill.
6: Dr. Jorge Leon, the chief science officer at COVID-19 test making company Toto's Medical, tells NTD this is possible. What's going to happen and what is happening is that we're going to deal with
2: it in a way that is going to lead to less deaths,
7: less hospitalizations and less um, impact on the overall
6: society. Fauci says we could still be hit by a new variant that pierces the immunity people have developed and that it's prudent to hope for the best-case scenario but prepare for the worst. Miguel Moreno, NTD News.
0: California health care workers say there are hours-long waits to transfer patients from ambulances to hospital emergency rooms, and the situation has increasingly worsened over the last two years.
10: Emergency health workers and first responders provided testimony about the long wait times they experience for a hospital to receive a patient at an emergency room. During a legislative hearing on Wednesday, they say it isn't good for the patient and it also keeps them from heading out for other emergency calls.
6: When
11: ambulances are being held at local emergency departments due to APOD and resources shift away from the Chino Valley, it's only a matter of time when a community member will likely die simply because they cannot get to the hospital.
10: First responders often end up waiting for hours with a patient at hospitals referred to as Ambulance Patient Offload Delay, or APOD, because no one is available to receive new patients. Doctors say this problem comes from delays in lab work, x-rays, and insurance authorizations.
11: Today, it is not uncommon for our paramedics to start rendering aid to a patient and then wait 30 minutes or more for an ambulance arrival to transport that patient to the hospital. I have personally waited longer than 80 minutes Yes, 80 minutes on scene for an ambulance to arrive on multiple occasions.
10: Although they say these wait times aren't new, the COVID-19 pandemic, also known as the CCP virus, worsened the situation. California is seeing a rise in hospitalizations following a spike in Omicron variant infections. At one Sacramento hospital, it's become common to see a crowd of public and private ambulances lined up. Because of longer wait times at hospitals, ambulance response time has increased to about 12 minutes. Patient transfer should take no more than 20 minutes, but last year they were held up for over two hours more than 700 times. First responders believe hospitals should be held accountable for processing information for incoming patients.
11: As the, community, as the committee seeks to address the APOD issue, we would also encourage the committee to consider rewriting outdated laws that simply do not help the current pre-hospital ecosystem use all of its current resources. We need short-term solutions, but we also need long-term solutions and we need to look at regulations. We need to uh, look at ways of streamlining things that
10: make sense. Earlier this month, the director of public health in Santa Clara County asked people not to use emergency rooms as testing centers.
0: Oregon Army National Guard soldiers are being deployed to help at hospitals around the state. That's as the local health care system deals with staffing shortages caused by the Omicron variant. Here's more.
12: Seven National Guard soldiers were assigned to West Valley Hospital in Dallas, Oregon this week. They'll help with everything from COVID-19 testing, moving patients to helping at front desks.
4: We also have 10 open staffing positions, open nursing positions just within my two departments. And there's 15 departments within this hospital. So not only are we seeing higher volumes, we're also having some issues with staffing. So
11: uh, Those are all reasons why having you guys here with us is so incredibly important, and we thank you so much.
12: The state hopes to place 1,200 Guard members in approximately 40 hospitals across Oregon to address urgent non-clinical staffing shortages. Other states are also using the National Guard to supplement strained hospital personnel.
0: While Virginia has recently banned critical race theory in public education, New Mexico is planning new standards for schools to teach about race and social identity. Some say it's a step in the right direction, while others say it's the parents' job to teach their children about sensitive topics. NTD's Jason Perry has the story.
4: New Mexico is proposing changes to its social studies curriculum that will begin teaching children about race and social identity, beginning at the age of five.
6: You know, if we start too early, we rob kids of this rare time in their life that they have just to be kids and and colorblind, if you will. And, And they just get to be these amazing little kids and enjoy life without, you know, preconceived notions, without context, and just be. The plan would teach
4: students the concept of identity groups in kindergarten. And in high school, students would learn about unequal power relations among these groups. Ethnic studies and the history of the LGBT rights movement would also be in the curriculum for the
0: first time. I mean, we had incredible discussions around um, education, and I served on the U.S. history team for high school, so I was looking particularly at that. So for example, it would be the first time LGBTQ history would be required. This is, this is very exciting. So New Mexico was really stepping up here.
4: The proposed curriculum would also increase the focus on Native American history. STATE REPUBLICANS HAVE ARGUED THAT PARENTS SHOULD TEACH THEIR CHILDREN SENSITIVE TOPICS LIKE RACE. THEY ALSO SAY THAT THERE ARE HIGHER PRIORITIES TO FOCUS ON, AS NEW MEXICO ROUTINELY RANKS AT THE BOTTOM IN ACADEMIC ACHIEVEMENT.
1: A PROCESS LIKE THIS THAT OMITS PARENT ENGAGEMENT AND RELIES UPON THE SCHOOL TO TEACH WHAT IS RIGHT AND WRONG IN REGARDS TO RACE, RACE RELATIONS, POLICE BRUTALITY IS WRONG. IT IS UP TO PARENTS TO TEACH THEIR CHILDREN AND TO DETERMINE with their school districts, with their elected school boards, what should be taught.
4: Responses to the state's plan provide a window into how others feel about when or whether critical race theory should be taught in schools. Already a cultural script that said. To be American is to be light skinned, had somehow seeped into my preschoolers consciousness, and so I'm really excited about. um, Students, whoever they are, recognizing that they have a place in this story. Lucas TMA, a public school bus driver and a father of five public school students, said his wife was homeschooled, so they'd be ready to take their kids out of school if the proposed curriculum is implemented. The new standards were written with input from 64 people across the state, most of them social studies teachers, and are expected to be published next spring with revisions. Jason Perry, NTD News, New York.
0: Are you planning on using the virtual reality known as Metaverse? It's made and owned by Meta, formerly Facebook. The company has come under scrutiny over their handling of personal data multiple times in the past. Now, the Financial Times reports that Meta is planning to analyze users' body expressions, such as pupil movements, nose scrunching, and more. Entities Aryan Pazdar spoke with a former Facebook content moderator turned whistleblower.
13: Most of us probably have Facebook on our phones or maybe use the service on a computer. But now some are saying the metaverse is becoming a big part of our daily lives and that you might even need it for work. The metaverse is a type of virtual reality or VR. Users can enter it by using VR glasses. They can then create an avatar whose appearance can be modified. Clothes and jewelry from real brands are purchased with real money. The Metaverse can be used for different things, such as gaming, for example.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes.
13: Some people, such as Bill Gates, say that in the future, the Metaverse will be expanding for things like work meetings. But are there any possible risks if we move real life into the Metaverse? You know, Facebook has a
11: track record of, of trampling on our rights, and uh, you know, you sign your the user agreement, but the user agreement is not fair, and they're selling your data, and, and they're, make, they're making money off of you.
13: Ryan Hartwig used to be a content moderator for Facebook. He then became a whistleblower and wrote a book on how Facebook is censoring free speech. He says if the user agreements stay the way they are now, we won't have the right of free speech in the metaverse. According to him, meta is acting in a tyrannical way and shouldn't make the rules for different communities in the metaverse.
11: There's this concept called seafaring or a seafaring nation. I can go to international waters and create my, my own little country um, and have my own rules and regulations and not be influenced by their countries. So I think the metaverse should be like that. I think groups of individuals should, should form communities, their own mini metaverse, and be able to govern themselves. But he says he doesn't think meta will be handling it this way. I would not sign up for metaverse. I would not sign up for any kind of virtual environment where you sign your rights away. Um, Facebook just is, is notorious for abusing privacy. And so I, I would just encourage you to enjoy life in the real world, go for a walk, uh, go to the park, and uh, avoid the metaverse.
13: According to Meta, they'll do things differently now. An official said it's important to them that privacy, safety, and security are built in as the metaverse takes off. Arianne Pastar, NTD News.
0: And if you'd like to learn more about the metaverse and how the Chinese Communist Party could weaponize it... NTD's China in Focus did a special report on the topic. You can find it at NTD.com. And while convicted sex trafficker Ghislaine Maxwell remains behind bars, her attorneys have asked for a new trial. A criminal defense attorney says post trial motions are not likely to succeed, but this case may be an exception. NTD's Jason Perry has the details.
4: Juror number 50 did multiple interviews after the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and revealed that he was sexually abused as a child. He said he shared his own story with fellow jurors during deliberations and that it helped influence their decision. The jurors who participated in this case were explicitly asked on jury questionnaire forms if they had been sexually abused and if so, if it would impact their abilities to be impartial while deliberating. Now, an attorney for Ghislaine Maxwell has filed a motion requesting a new trial, according to a letter filed Wednesday to U.S. District Judge Allison Nathan. Maxwell's lawyers argue that the Supreme Court has ruled that a defendant is entitled to a new trial if a party can show a juror failed to answer a material question honestly during jury questioning. Criminal say,
11: defense uh, attorney uh, Dmitry uh, Shachnovich uh, explains what will happen next. The judge will either decide whether or not... Uh, the judge should grant a hearing on the issue or just decide uh, the issue on submission without a hearing, which happens rarely. And it also depends on what the prosecution says, what the U.S. Attorney's Office say. I'm assuming they won't consent here, obviously, uh, because they got a conviction. But it matters what they say. Juror number 50,
4: who goes by Scotty David, his first and middle name, said his personal experience helped him convince some jurors that a victim's imperfect memory of sex abuse doesn't mean it didn't happen. Scotty David now has a lawyer for himself. Shakhnovich said the likelihood of success in any of these types of post-trial motions is extremely low because you have to show that the verdict would have been different, but this case may be
11: an exception. This case is pretty close to possibly showing that, right? Because you have such, it seems to me, direct evidence that this juror misled the court and, there, and, and, and then impacted the deliberations with his prior experience.
4: Maxwell is facing up to 65 years in prison for five charges, including sex trafficking a minor. Prosecutors have until February 2nd to reply to the motion. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: Coming up, an armed individual at the San Francisco International Airport was shot and killed by police. That's after attempts by the police to de-escalate the situation. And a California County's sheriff said homicides and grand theft auto significantly increased over the pandemic. That and more in just a moment. At the San Francisco airport, police responded to calls about a suspicious man in the international terminal. An airport spokesman stated that the man was armed. And after attempts by the police to de-escalate the situation, the man was shot and reportedly died of his injuries. NTD's Jason Blair brings us the latest info.
9: On Thursday morning, an armed man was reportedly exhibiting threatening behavior at the San Francisco International Airport. The incident later resulted in a police-involved shooting.
14: Arriving on scene, San Francisco police officers made contact with a male individual, establishing that he appeared to be armed with a handgun. In the course of the law enforcement officer's engagement with the suspect, an officer-involved shooting occurred involving San Francisco police officers.
9: Doug Yotel, a spokesman for the San Francisco airport, told NCD that the incident happened around 7.30 a.m. in the International Airport. The incident temporarily halted public transportation service into the airport. There were no other reported delays to airport operations. The airport tweeted around noon that the incident had been resolved and public transportation was operating normally again. The SFPD stated the incident is currently under investigation by several departments, and they will have more updates as information becomes available.
14: The San Francisco Police Department will convene a public town hall on today's officer-involved shooting within 10 days as part of our commitment to transparency.
9: Both police and airport officials say the man died of his injuries. His identity has not been released yet. There was one minor injury to a bystander who was taken to the hospital for treatment. Jason Blair, NTD News, San Francisco.
0: Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva stated that while some crimes went down during the pandemic, homicides and grand theft auto did not. We hear more from NTD's David Lamb.
15: In a span of two years, violent crimes in Los Angeles County significantly increased That's according to LA County
4: Sheriff Alex Villanueva. Obviously the most glaring number right here is a two-year increase of 94% on homicides and grand theft auto increase of 59%. The sheriff discussed a
15: variety of topics, including crime, jail violence, and staff shortages during his review of the county's 2021 statistics on Wednesday.
4: Overall, you can see some crimes went down. A lot of this is still pandemic. Uh, related. Obviously, the societal patterns, behaviors, people at home, businesses closed, it disrupted a lot of cycles of crime and opportunities for crime.
15: According to the sheriff's press release, the percentage of inmates suffering from diagnosed mental illnesses is up to 36 percent, and the lack of staffing due to budget cuts has impacted violence in the jails. Villanueva said starting on February 1st, 50 body-worn cameras will begin being used inside a jail. It's part of a pilot program. He added that since 2018, a total of 949 personnel members have been disciplined and 132 have been discharged for offenses such as use of alcohol, false statements, and excessive force. David Lamb, Entity News, California.
0: As countries move away from fossil fuels, a small Wyoming town may be transformed when a new type of nuclear power plant is built there. The facility would use liquid sodium instead of water to cool the reactor. NTD's Andrew Thomas reports.
16: This Wyoming town has relied on coal for over a century. Until recently, Kemmerer wasn't known for much except J.C. Penney's first store and its 55 million year old fish fossils and quarries down the road. In November, TerraPower announced that a chosen Kemmerer for a non-traditional sodium-cooled nuclear reactor that will bring in workers from a local coal-fired power plant scheduled to close soon.
17: I'm um, born and raised here in this community, and I did not want to have to leave. I have um, children here, I have parents here, and um, the idea of having to move away and work in another location was pretty scary.
16: TerraPower has pledged to train workers so anyone interested can transition to working at the nuclear plant when it opens.
17: The timing
3: works out really well. Uh, You know, so most of those details have not been ironed out yet, but pretty much most of the people out here that, uh, you know, are going to want to be part of that facility should have the opportunity.
16: Current estimates say the plant will open in 2028, but the news has already triggered interest in real estate. Nuclear power is emerging as an answer to fill the gap as states transition away from coal, oil, and natural gas to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And up next, as China continues its zero COVID policy to deal with the pandemic, some residents appear more concerned over the consequences of non-compliance with the rules. And there are heightened concerns following an intelligence agency's warning over the possible infiltration of the UK's parliament by a suspected CCP agent. NTD's Jane Worrell speaks with parliament members about the Chinese regime's influence operations. How far will China take its so-called zero-COVID policy, and how tough will lockdown measures get inside the country? A group chat among residents from one neighborhood in the city of Xi'an lists reasons why people ought to follow the rules
17: or else. Within the message group, a post cites 10 reasons to stay in line. Most of them highlight the consequences of violating stay-at-home orders. Topping the list, the first warning reads, your home will be surrounded by police cars and ambulances and will be sealed. Next, the post warns that pandemic control staff will come for anyone who breaks the rules and will take him or her away. But worth noting, the post doesn't actually use the term pandemic control staff. Instead, it references masked white robes. The full warning reads, you will be dragged away by masked white robes like butchers who slaughter pigs. The post also addresses men's best friend. It states that rule-breakers' pets will be slaughtered. It goes on to cite official policy warning describing a treatment to make pets harmless. Like many of the list's other warnings, reports at least one related case surfaced back in November in eastern China. A woman there was taken to a no-pets-allowed quarantine site and had to leave her dog at home. She had had the pet for five years. The health workers promised not to harm the dog. But while watching remote feed from a camera inside her home, she witnessed two men in protective suits entering the space. Once inside, they cornered her pet, hitting it with what looks like an iron rod. The dog is seen trying to get away but wasn't successful. Then the men later backed the animal in plastic. After the incident, the pet owner shared the tragic video online. Uproar soon exploded online. Amid the criticism, authorities posted a notice saying, workers on site treated the dog to make it harmless without thorough communication with the netizen, the dog owner. As for the remainder of the group chat's warning list, one point notes that officials may choose to quarantine apartment buildings, communities, or even entire towns, all if just a single person violates lockdown orders. While the final consequence describes going through quarantine without smartphones or other devices, as officials may decide to confiscate them.
0: Now to the UK. Following a warning from MI5 to politicians that Christine Lee has been acting covertly on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party, a Home Office minister urged members of the House of Lords to be very vigilant of any attempts to influence them. NTD's Jane Werrell met with Member of Parliament Alastair Carmichael, who said it's a very unusual warning from MI5, and the UK should change its approach towards the Chinese regime.
18: Warnings from MI5 that a suspected Chinese Communist Party agent is seeking to covertly interfere with UK politics shines a starker light on the Chinese regime's influence operations. The agent Christine Lee has been snapped with former Conservative Prime Minister David Cameron and donated more than £500,000 to Labour MP Barry Gardiner and reportedly at least £100,000 more to the Labour Party. Records also show Liberal Democrat leader Sir Ed Davey accepting a £5,000 donation from her when he was Energy Secretary. He says he has no recollection of her. Home Affairs spokesperson for the Liberal Democrats tells me this is something that all parties need to look at seriously.
8: I think it is very concerning to hear that the Chinese Communist Party are placing people like this trying to influence the course of our democracy. I think it's something that all parties need to look at seriously. And, you know, for those who say that continuation of the accommodation that we have had with China for the last few decades is possible. I think this illustrates now that you have to see the way in which we approach China. We do have to engage, but we have to engage in a much more robust and uh, less trusting uh, manner than we have done in the past. When you talk about the
18: more robust way, um, what are the concrete things that could be done?
8: You see what's happening in Xinjiang province with the Uyghur population there. You see what is happening in Hong Kong with the national security law. You see what's happening to people and Tibet uk western governments as a whole have got to be prepared to talk about these things to call out the chinese government uh, and to be quite clear that you know we value human rights and in any relationship we have with another country then that valuing of human rights it is going to be at the heart of our policy
18: do you think there are other ctp agents like christine lee who who are infiltrating parliament
8: it's very unusual for the security services to make the sort of announcement that they did last week so i think you know we need to have a a look at how that is working and if it's possible that there there are other people eh, embedded in in the same way uh so you know we've got security agencies who look at all these things and aim for for the future you know i think we do need to be uh, a bit more careful a bit more vigorous in in who gets access to our, our politicians.
18: Many MPs will be keeping a closer eye on where their donations come from.
19: As a Member of Parliament we're used to just interacting with members of the public and and people who need to see us for various reasons and I think it's too easy to forget that actually we are are an object of interest to other state actors like China and I think what this infiltration shows is that they are willing to act and it's an abject lesson to all Members of Parliament to just watch out who we're meeting and, and what they want and in particular who's donating money.
18: And over in the House of Lords a Home Office Minister urging peers to be careful.
1: We all need to be very vigilant, uh, careful, um, be very, very careful about um, who attempts to
18: influence us in this place, and particularly when we are bringing legislation um, forward. An issue that crosses party lines, the Home Secretary says the UK will bring in new legislation to counter foreign interference. Jane Worrell, NTG News, London.
0: Coming up, a sense of normalcy returns to Britain as people go back to the office for the first time since early December. And students are no longer required to wear masks in the classroom. There's a biotech firm working on a treatment for COVID-19 that doesn't involve vaccination. 80% of the firm is owned by the world's top tennis star and his wife. That and more here on NTD News. People in England have returned to the office for the first time since early December after the government scrapped its work-from-home guidance yesterday. London and Manchester have seen more traffic on the road as well as more passengers on public transport. In the phasing out of Plan B measures from today, secondary school students are no longer required to wear masks in the classroom. Here's NTD's Earl Rhodes with this report.
19: Commuters across the country travelled to work for the first time since Plan B measures meant to curb the spread of Omicron were axed on Wednesday. Health Secretary Sajid Javid said the UK is entering a new chapter and Britons should be proud of the moment. We've created the largest testing programme of any country in Europe and we've procured more antivirals than any country in Europe. That's why we are the most open country in Europe. An increase in road congestion was recorded in London and Manchester, while demand for public transport was up in the capital. The health secretary said on Wednesday, this is not the end of the road for COVID and the government will set out its long-term plan in spring. And we shouldn't see this as the finish line because we cannot eradicate this virus and its future variants. Instead, we must learn to live with COVID in the same way that we've learned to live with flu. Face masks are no longer required in secondary school classrooms. The government has also updated its safety guidance on wearing face masks in universities and colleges, with masks no longer advised in lecture halls and classrooms from next Thursday teachers' unions have branded the moves as premature. Javed told the BBC Radio 4 Today programme it's harder to teach children wearing masks and that long-term mask-wearing in classrooms will have an impact on their education. Earl Rhodes, NTD News.
0: Well, the European Union moved to characterise abortion as a human right. President Macron laid out his ambitions for the French presidency of the EU this week, calling for just that. But abortion can meet with resistance from some doctors, with some even refusing to perform them. NTD France correspondent David Vivès met with the president of a French gynecologist union to find out more.
5: French President Emmanuel Macron said during a speech at the European Parliament on Wednesday that abortion should be recognized as a human right. He called for a revised European
19: Charter of Human Rights. So we should use this charter to be more explicit on protecting the environment and recognizing the right to abortion. The French
5: president's stance on abortion surprised the audience in Strasbourg, but also the French public. Macron declared several times he was against extending the legal deadline for women seeking abortion. But that changed in December of last year when France's lower house of parliament voted to extend it from 12 to 14 weeks. The French Senate is now examining the bill. According to the president of the gynecologists' union, Dr. Rochambeau, aborting at 14 weeks of pregnancy would mean the fetal head had to be crushed. Rochambeau also told us that many doctors are not willing to perform an abortion at that stage. As time passes, the bills and laws evolve. Today, we see there is a strong lobby saying no one should oppose abortions because all the bills goes in that way, and everybody must comply to it. But you see, not everybody thinks so. In France, some members of Parliament say abortion should be a mandatory service. Doctors in public hospitals should provide to anyone asking for it. According to Rochambeau, forcing doctors would be a red line. Conscientious objection is a doctor's right. It's the last barrier. The social peace is based on this barrier. There is a risk here that our society will be teared down if you deny conscientious objection. Rochambeau also says that promotion of abortion might also lead to a forced narrative on it. The latest laws ban the only possibility to propose alternative choices. But there is a way to propose alternatives, to allow a life to be born. But the doctors who try to propose these alternatives today, they are sued. In France, around 207,000 abortions were performed in 2020. David Duves, NTD News, Paris.
0: It's been revealed that the world's best tennis player, Novak Djokovic, owns a large chunk of a biotech firm working on a COVID-19 treatment. The news comes after he was deported from Australia for being
2: unvaccinated. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. Is it good to be home? Following the chaos surrounding tennis star Novak Djokovic's vaccination status, it's been discovered he and his wife own 80 percent of a Danish biotech firm that's developing a COVID-19 treatment. Quant Bioress' CEO confirmed to Reuters that Djokovic, who is 34, owns 40.8 percent, while his wife Jelena, who is 35, owns 39.2 percent. He says they bought the stake back in June 2020, near the beginning of the pandemic, but didn't say how much the stake is worth. Quant BioRes treatment does not involve vaccination, and instead involves developing a deactivation mechanism. It has about 12 researchers working in Denmark, Australia and Slovenia, and it expects clinical trials to begin this summer. Gerald Kamisong is the CEO of TOTOS Medical, which is working on its own non-vaccine COVID treatment. Kami Song says treatments have been cast aside by the U.S. government for some time. You
8: know, people are still getting sick, even if they've been vaccinated, even if they've been boosted, and so you cannot ignore the need for therapy.
2: Djokovic flew out of Australia to his native Serbia on January 17th after Australian Immigration Minister Alex Hawke kicked him out of the country. Arlene Richards, NTD News
0: american surfing great kelly slater will not be allowed to compete in upcoming events in australia if he doesn't get vaccinated against covid 19. this is according to a statement made today by australia's health minister greg hunt 11-time world champion slater hasn't revealed his vaccination status he recently defended tennis world number one novak djokovic who is unvaccinated Two World Surf League championship events are scheduled for Australia in April and May. It remains unclear whether Slater will take part. The World Surf League has not mandated vaccines for competitors but has encouraged them to get the jab, warning they may face significant challenges if they choose not to coming up, a 19-year-old pilot landed in Belgium today, marking the end of her solo flight around the globe, setting the record for the youngest woman to make the trip. And Amazon plans to open its first brick-and-mortar clothing store this year. But it won't be your average department store. It'll have an algorithm to help you get dressed and high-tech fitting rooms. More on that when we return with NTD News. Teenage pilot Zara Rutherford landed in Belgium after flying solo around the globe. The 19 year old is now the youngest woman ever to make the trip. NTD's Chenny Wu brings us the details.
14: Teenage pilot Zara Rutherford landed in Courtrai, Belgium on Thursday, sealing the record as the youngest woman to fly around the world solo. The Belgian-British 19-year-old started out from Courtrai on August 18th, 155 days ago. Uh, it's been a really long time, so I'm looking forward to seeing my family again. Rutherford said she met with several setbacks on the journey due to visa issues and bad weather. Some of the scariest moments of her trip were a thunderstorm in Singapore and her lengthy crossing of Siberia.
17: In Siberia it was tough because thankfully nothing happened but if something did happen and the engine wanted to stop for any reason then suddenly I would be stuck in minus 35 degrees Celsius at least three hours away from rescue.
14: She also just narrowly escaped North Korean airspace as the weather almost drove her into it.
17: If they see a small blip or aircraft on their screen that's quite low sort of heading towards their country, it's very possible that they would send someone out to have a look and honestly, I'm not too interested in that.
14: On returning home, it seems Rutherford has one more destination in mind.
17: Well, so I've been waiting for their sandwich that's like from a sandwich shop that's like really nearby and I've been waiting five months to get it. So I'm really looking forward to to getting it.
14: Rutherford's journey spanned over 40 countries and covered more than 32,000 miles. Chenny Wu, NTD News. Amazon's recipe
0: for the department store of the future includes an algorithm to help you get dressed and what one corporate director called a magic closet in the fitting room. Let's take
12: a look. Amazon is making another push to grow its fashion business. Announcing on Thursday, it'll open its first ever apparel store this year. But as with many of the online retailers' ventures, the store will have a tech twist. At 30,000 square feet, the planned Amazon-style shop near Los Angeles is smaller than the typical department store. Model items are on the racks, and customers scan a code using Amazon's mobile app to select the color and size they would like. To try on the clothes, which are stored in the back, shoppers enter a virtual queue for a fitting room that they unlock with their smartphone when it's ready. Inside, each dressing room has a touch screen, letting shoppers request more items that staff deliver to a secure two-sided closet. The touch screens suggest items to shoppers too. Amazon keeps a record of every item a customer scans, so its algorithms personalize clothing recommendations. Shoppers can fill out a style survey as well. By the time they arrive in a fitting room, employees have already deposited customers' requested items and others that Amazon has picked. Shoppers can opt out with a concierge's help.
0: A pristine coral reef has been found off Tahiti, giving scientists hope that there may be more unspoiled reefs in our oceans. Louisa Knax reports.
17: Scientists have discovered a nearly two-mile-long coral reef off the coast of Tahiti. It's in pristine condition at a depth of over 30 metres. The unusual discovery gives scientists hope that there may be more unspoilt reefs to be found in our oceans. Julian Barbiera is the head of marine policy at UNESCO.
20: You know, Generally coral reefs are found up to 25 uh, metres in, in tropical systems, so it's, it's quite impressive to find a, a such system in, in a very good state of, uh, of health uh, at that sort of depth. So the type of coral reefs uh, that were found are uh, from the foli- foliaceous type which basically means leaf-like uh, in Latin and if you look at the, the images it's basically a field of um, huge flowers, coral garden in a way. Some of them looks like roses, uh, some of them are two meters uh, uh, wide.
17: The reef was found in what is known as the twilight zone of Tahiti's coast. An area where there is still enough light for coral to grow and reproduce, but deep enough to avoid bleaching, a stress response triggered by warming waters, which causes corals to lose their colour and struggle to survive.
20: I think what's uh, important is it also raises the, the issue of uh, you know, how coral reefs become more resilient. Uh, to climate change. That gives us hope that there might be other ecosystems that we have not found in the ocean, uh, particularly this type of uh, coral reef at this kind of depth.
0: And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.